welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Thank you very much for joining. This is Erica, and you are listening to another Bridge the Divide podcast. We were just trying to uh, quantify how many times we've done this, and we think we have 25 or 30 out there, so make sure you listen to them all. But today's podcast on this uh, chilly Saturday afternoon is going to be, well, we're going to start out talking about a Wisconsin Humanities Council grant that Bridge the Divide received. We were um, very grateful to be awarded this grant. And the first part of a series of um, kind of film series that we started out with, a multicultural film series, we had our last film today. We had four movies that we listened to, that we watched, and we had uh, cultural respondents talk back, uh, kind of giving their information, their 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 thoughts about the films. They were giving some additional information about their culture that might interest the audience. And today's film was um, Smoke Signals. And it is one that I had seen before, probably 10, 15 years ago, I think I had seen it. Um, but we watched that today with an audience in Mequon. We had um, a cultural respondent that we invited uh, to be with us, and that's Mr. Arnold Chevalier, thank you for joining. Thank you. <laughs> and we, al- we also have as a guest with us today, Dr. David Stanfield. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. To be here. <laughs> so we had a, um, a good audience at the film. About 40 people came. Um, we kind of had uh, some discussions about things that we, topics that came up in the film, and, and we enjoyed that. But we thought that we needed a little bit more. So if we can start out with Arnold, if you just kind of introduce yourself, tell us about yourself and, and what you're up to. Okay, my name is Arnold Chevalier. My Menominee name is Osawa Nemeke. Um, I presently live in Stoughton, Wisconsin, which is a, um, pretty much uh, 80, 90% Norwegian community with a, maybe one or two Indians. <laughs> one Menominee for sure. <laughs> one for sure. <laughs> um, I'm a journeyman sheet metal worker with Local 18 Union, which is a statewide union. I also um, I sit on the Wisconsin Humanities Council, and I've been on there... Um, I'll be coming up on my sixth and final year. Um, so starting in June, I will become its chairman. So it's been a it's been a very enlightening uh, um, five years, five and a half years, whatever it is. Uh, I've learned a lot. I met a lot of wonderful, wonderful people, um, and this event today was great. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. My first. Uh, podcast I'm a, <laughs> a little and actually this will be the second time that I sat down and was interviewed by somebody in my life so I'm, oh boy I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this as well but a little nervous about it <laughs> well thank you for for joining us and congratulations by the way thank I want to see if we can get Dr. Stanfield to kind of give us a little bit of information about him 
Um, I worked for 24 years at the University of Wisconsin in Madison in a research center called the Land Tenure Center, and uh, basically worked in projects dealing with land ownership and use around the world. And one of the groups that visited us one year was a group from Trinidad and Tobago. They wanted to know how land was used and owned in Wisconsin. And so I said, well, let's go up to the Menominee Reservation. <laughs> and so the elders, some elders from that reservation received the group and explained uh, core uh, land disputes, a land dispute that has affected the reservation and, and the tribe for several years. And so that's how I got involved okay. uh, with this uh, uh, tribal land question. Okay, thank you, thank you. Well, um, Arnold, so let's just kind of go back to the movie a little bit. We don't have to go in, in detail because we did have a, a nice talkback session there um, with the, the audience. But uh, maybe a general thought about the movie. You'd seen it before, Smoke Signals. Um, you'd also reviewed it with some young people. Tell us what you what you think about the movie. Um, the movie, I, I think, is um, it, it's an older movie, but it's still... Um, it, it's the the times I don't think have changed that much um, in regards to the content of the movie. Um, first and foremost, it's um, it's very um, it's got a lot of humor, Native American humor, um, and I think that it shines through. I mean, very good. Um, the this past Wednesday night on the campus of uh, University of Madison. Um, I have two nieces that attend the university there, and they were kind enough to um, indulge my presence there on campus at the, what they call the house, which is a, um, a meeting place for not only the Native Americans but other um, other people of color. Okay. Uh, so we got together. I kind of had to bribe them a little bit. I told them <laughs> I'd buy them pizza if they would watch this movie with, with me, and they're like... What's this movie? <laughs> of course, when I mentioned the name, um, every one of them had seen it. And, uh, okay. and they were, um, you know, after viewing it, we, we uh, um, sat and talked about it, and, and I got there. It was important for me um, doing this thing down here in Mequon. It was important because there's such an age gap between me and my nieces I was curious of of their take on it right. and, and whether or not it was still germane to 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 the society as a whole. And right. I found out that it is very much. Um, mm -hmm. uh, however, um, they did have they were like saying, um, you know, you got to make sure that they that you distinguish one tribe from another. And there right. is um, a lot of distinction even amongst the twelve tribes here in the state of Wisconsin. So. Um, we um we had a really really um, um nice talk event there uh, Wednesday night. Um, it went well into the evening. Of course, these kids were probably just I shouldn't call them kids; they're young adults, <laughs> right? Very very intelligent young adults at that. But we, we talked till probably ten o'clock at night, which was way way past my bedtime, <laughs> especially when I get up at four in the morning. But um, getting back to their response to the movie, um, they they really felt that the, um, for instance, there's a, um, and I I kind of I I didn't say anything initially because I wanted to get their um, their the straight 
um, scoop from them right. um, without tainting any of that. Um, so I I waited till they you know told me this that and the other thing, and then uh, then I started asking questions of them. And one uh, one young lady who was from Milwaukee, an urban Indian, mm-hmm. um, and there is uh, reservation Indians versus urban Indians. Oh. So, and I think that's important to point out because there is some um, differences there. Um, so being brought up in a city really, um, um, you know, they're, they're, they um, they yearn for, for what's on the reservation mm-hmm. in terms of culture and language. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go by the movie, then the folks that were on the reservation were just itching to get off the reservation yes, and go and let me yes. see what else is out here. Right, so, yeah. right. <laughs> and I, I think and that's a good healthy thing is uh-huh. to... To get out and venture out, and and um, there's a Madewan teaching that um, that um, tells you that um, when you come into this world, you come in in what they call the eastern door. That's where life begins from the east. I um, mean, I think this this teaching um, goes right into the to the movie and all that that you uh, experience during that movie, um, good, bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come into the world, you um, there's a straight line that represents the the red road, if you will, the the spirit road. And uh, once you come into the world from the east, where life begins, you see something over to your right or your left, and you go there. Curiosity, whatever. Um, maybe your friends are over there. You go mm-hmm. out there and you and you experience that. And I think these these um, young people. Um, are doing just that. Um, uh, I wish there were more at the university, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially mm-hmm. there in Madison, and I believe they're working on that. But anyhow, you, you, you go on with life, and, and you're out there a while. You're, you're, the teaching tells you, you you'll always return to that center line, and, and, and you come back for that which is good and healthy and hate to use the term, but, but spiritual. Let's mm-hmm. use that word, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a while, you you move into another phase of your life, mm-hmm. and again, you might look off to the other direction and see something that intrigues you. And, and I think these young people are, they, they were telling me that of this movie that they've seen where, you know, the humor is, um, is, is um, very, very um, front and center and, and um, more often than not, though, that humor is hiding something. Right, right. It's a shield for whatever. It's it's one way to deal with death. Right. One way to deal with alcoholism, mm-hmm. with with all the social ills of life. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that and that's um, you know, these young people were they were very in tune to that, and um, and I you know I've I've told them of this Madei teaching, and so they they're keenly aware of. Of that, and I'm sure they've they've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there were probably a dozen students, all from uh, the Ojibwe community, the mm-hmm. Stockbridge Muncie community, the Oneida community, um, the Menominee. Um, so we had a quite a cross and a, quite a mix of young people. Right. And I was some. Um, I was even if I. I mean, I I, I learned from them. Mm-hmm. I, I lived vicariously through these young people anyway. Um, but um, even if I was just doing that, just as with them and without no other purpose, it was great. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. It was it was good to hear them, um, the way they spoke of it and, and how they um, digested the, 
the material and you know the subliminal kind mm -hmm. of um, the spirituality of the movie. Um, I, I think there was a lot there that, um, and so then afterwards, I, for instance, there's a, a part in the movie where the the two girls are, are driving backwards. Yes. <laughs> and um, yeah. so I asked the question. I, I, I turned to the young lady to my right who was sitting real close by. I said, so why were those girls driving backwards? And she said, I don't know. I kind of thought that was weird myself. And she says, because they wanted to. Right. There you go. <laughs> and uh, and um, there was a, a young man sitting kitty, kitty corner from me. And he says, um, their transmission was not right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so in that regard, you know, it's um, it was a practical thing. Well, if I can't go forward because my transmission, I'm well, gonna I go, junk the whole thing. I can right, go backwards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this thing till it totally. In a lot of um, reservations, they call them res runners. Okay. And they're gonna, and it's gonna go till it dies. So it literally stops running. Then you're done using it, and you move on. I like that. And that, and that whole philosophy. You know, comes out in this movie. I think so. What about um, the one of the the things that I run into when I when I find a movie that has um, many actors that are people of color, or the as in this movie, the writers, directors casted by um, Indians. Um, but then I worry about the stereotyping. So I know that this is great. I want to see all of people that that look like me on screen, but then. Do we run into issues of stereotyping when they had, you know, the one one family had alcoholism in the family? Um, just what do you think about how they portrayed that, how they did that um, in Smoke Signals? I, I thought it was, um, first and, and foremost, alcoholism and drug abuse is out there, as mm -hmm. it is in every community it sure is. in this country. And I, I think for one to sit here, sit there and, and deny that, that doesn't exist um, is is wrong, and you, you're you're doing a great disservice by not acknowledging the issues with and a lot of social issues, mind you. Mm -hmm. So I thought, um, although it wasn't, um, you know, it was a, a kind of a the catalyst of the movie because mm -hmm. the fire results of this party right, that right. that occurs and the the you know the guy gets drunk and and is you know. Uh, foolishly playing with fire mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that um, alcoholism and drug abuse is there and I think it needs to be talked about mm -hmm. it and wasn't the whole movie every no, scene no, wasn't no, about was, that was everything not. wasn't that wasn't the genesis for right. every part of right. the story right. that was it, it right was, it right. was based off of that but right. um, but I think um, as far as stereotyping um the the young people that I spoke with were you know just they, they were saying well make sure you 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 let your audience know of other th aspects of reservation life right. and of non reservation life right. in the distinction therein so they were they were in tune with the whole thing and I yeah. I was pleasantly um, pleased with with their Good, good. That so, sounds good. All righty. Well, let's take um, go to a quick break, and we will come back shortly and ask Dr. Stanfield some questions.
So before the break, we were discussing the movie Smoke Signals and some of the audience response and some young people's responses that we got from the film. Um, one of the things that we talked about um, at, we were at Unitarian Church North, one of the things we talked about there was the talking circle. And um, David, you have some some information about us about the talking circle I kind of heard some variations um, about it from other groups and I'd like to hear um, hear some more about it from you yes we um, um, were involved uh, with the uh, Menominee Nation uh, land questions over a number of years and one of the questions was a conflict between um, residents owners of parcels of land on the reservation who were not Menominee, who were white, largely white, uh, non-Menominee owners. And so there was a question of uh, relationship between those owners, those non-Menominee owners, and the Menominee people in the reservation who lived there uh, around those that uh, legend lake development. Um, and so there was uh, uh, a, uh, an in- interest in trying to find a way to resolve or minimize these conflicts because they had at one point in time exploded into some fairly nasty situations on the reservations. But I was reminded of this by the Smoke Signals uh, movie where they talked about uh, leaving the reservation and having to have a passport or have to dress properly or be prepared to encounter the world outside. And that's a a, a, an illustration of the concept of, uh, of of sovereignty, Native people's sovereignty over land, where and inside the reservation, then there's the culture and history and language that evolves. But at some point, people there, particularly young people, go outside of the reservation. So, mm-hmm. what do they encounter? And I thought this movie uh, uh, s- exemplified some of the conflicts that uh, young people particularly encounter when they go off the reservation, go outside of their land area. Um, so this was, uh, this was uh, 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 exemplified in the movie, I think, a little bit by the encounter with the policemen, by the people on the, the men on the bus who wouldn't give up their seats, mm-hmm. um, and the attitude of the man who had in the accident who tried to push the blame of the accident onto the, onto the uh, young Indian men. Any case, that conflict and uh, over sovereignty, over land, over other aspects that uh, of life that that uh, sometimes people express in prejudice. And so, one of the efforts that we made with the in the Menominee tribe was to try to get together with non-Menominee people who own land on the on the reservation and the Menominee people who own land on the reservation and to sit in a circle and to discuss. Each of them could speak whatever length of time they wanted about their relationship with the land from the point of view of the white and point of view of the Indian. And so this was an idea to try to get some uh, some understanding and respect from the two parties of their different views and different notions and different relationships with the land. And the, the idea was to uh, present that in a video recorded format along with other materials into and get that materials and the video and the materials into the school system so that young people could learn about how two groups who can sometimes are antagonistic can mm-hmm. respect and 
listen to each other. So that's what the Legend Lake, a talking circle, uh, which is distributed uh, by Terra Institute. The website is terrainstitute.org, and under that is Building Bridges, sort of like your Bridges uh-huh, Project. That's right. So um, people can download that video for free and all the materials, the historical materials that it, that, that uh, pertain to that particular conflict on the Menominee Reservation. So, mm-hmm. um, And the, the concept of, of sitting down in a circle, talking when you're having a dispute is... You know, we, we do that at when we facilitate for nurturing diversity partners. Mm-hmm. The Zeiler Center discussions has that kind of method. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously a tried and true method that works when you are, when you can be among people that you disagree with, but still give them the respect and honor of listening to them. Um, I don't know how good we're getting at it, but... Um, it, it seems like it's it's a good it's a really good method. Actually, it's called in our video called a talking circle, but actually it's a listening circle uh-huh. more uh-huh. than a talking circle. You have to have the respect of the other person to listen to all that they have to say without interruption and without without contradicting them. Right. So that's uh, that's a very powerful method that's used in courtrooms and used in schools for discipline problems. It's used in social movements and so i think um it's uh it's using alcoholics anonymous uh-huh. as a matter of fact so mm-hmm. it's a it's a powerful way to get people to listen to each other mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. traditionally um in a in a traditional setting um you would generally pass an object um in most instances it's an eagle feather okay. as long as you had that you were in possession of the the object, whatever you choose to use. In this case, an eagle feather. As long as you were holding that, you had the floor, and you were able to say whatever, and you know, be respectful of right. everybody in the circle. Mm-hmm. Once you passed it on, then you became the listener. Mm-hmm. So um, therein lies the the traditional part of that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. from the Menominee perspective. Right. It's a um, for for Bridge the Divide. We have the larger our group gets, you know, the harder it is for small group kind of conversations. But but we really do try to create the environment that says this is a place for you to be able to speak and that we are listening and we are not always going to agree because, you know, basically who wants to be around folks that agree all the time? There's no fun in that at all. But Preaching to the choir. (laughs) Right, right. But we can be respectful in our interactions. You can disagree without being disagreeable and how to, like it maybe is an art. Maybe we should just start teaching that for the younger students to, it's okay to not, have the exact same opinion as another person, but it is not okay to call names. It's not okay to be violent. It's not, it's, you know, it's right. okay to not agree and you can still move past that and, and do things together. There's still room for collaboration and negotiation without believing the exact same thing on, you know, 50 points. So. Right. Right. And I think they, they actually do teach in some of the schools. I've met some teachers who, um, who do that very thing, um, 
you know, and to to at the end of the day, they're they're at the very least they're agreeing to disagree right. and, and not be angry to the extent that they want to beat each other up. Right. You know? Right. Yep. So. Yep. Um, Arnold, I had some more questions for you about um the Menominee Reservation and. Uh, I don't know if it, if we would call it the economy or there's there's wild rice production there's wood foresting. Yes, the the Menominee. Um, first of all, Menominee means people of wild rice. So we we are we are the wild rice people, and um, and that that name comes to us from other tribes because uh, they look to us. They look to the. To the west, you know, to for the wa- the food that grows on water. Okay. Um, so we we've had that for thousands and thousands of years. Of course, with um, the coming of the European and the dams and what have you, um, that affected wild rice needs some some almost perfect conditions to exist and to okay. grow. So. Um, when they start damming up the rivers and the lakes and what have you, it um, it, it basically um, wiped out um, thousands and thousands of acres of wild rice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it 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 still grows on the reservation. Um, some young people were actually um, on the Menominee Reservation were involved in um, the the re the reintroductory of of wild rice in in areas okay. of of the reservation where it had been missing for quite some time so okay. hopefully that'll um, come to fruition and um, but um, in addition to that the Menominee tribe has been in the logging industry for over 170 years um, and I always tell people um, that if they were to um, if they were to measure um, the board feet that's standing in the forest today, let's say for the sake of our discussion, it's three million board feet today. Um, it's it's more today than it was when we started cutting. Um, huh. And people look at me dumbfounded <laughs> as you just did. Right, I'm like, how does that math work? Okay. Um, so so it's it's of um, it's a matter of um, of many many practices. Um, of course, first and foremost is the philosophy of seven generations. So if you keep the seven generations in mind, you're going to achieve an immense amount of um, longevity in, in anything you do. Okay. Um, in addition to, to um, seven generations, it was the dead and down tree that was cut first. It was the select cut. It was, um, you know, it was harvesting... Um, in certain areas, they would start, to, the, the chiefs back then, they said, we'll start in the east and we'll work our way to the western boundary of the reservation. And then when we get to the west, we're going to go back and start over on the eastern um, edge of the reservation. So it was, and, and the science that goes into, um, you have soil content that is more conducive to a certain species. Mm-hmm. Um, the Menominee people have learned that by looking at the fauna. You know, um, there's a gentleman on the Menominee Reservation or that works there. He doesn't live, he lives nearby. Um, he's our head forester. His name is Marshall Picor. What a wonderful, wonderful human being. This guy is a teacher through and through. Um, and he heads up the forestry department. 
and I was invited. Um, I got a phone call one day. I, I um, sitting in my office on a reservation, and uh, it was Marshall, and he invited me up to his office um, the following week. And he told me, you know, I'll just show up about seven o'clock. And I said, okay. So I, I get up to the Tribal Enterprise um, office. The sawmill operation is in the open. So I get there and I and I pull up to the front of the building, and there's a bus sitting out there. I thought, well, that's an odd place for the bus. I wonder if it's broke down. And so I get out of my car and I go into the into the um, Enterprise building. And Marshall said, "Oh, we've been waiting for you." He said, "The bus is out there," and I'm like, "And?" <laughs> he said, "Well, get on it and we'll go." And I'm like, "Where are we going?" <laughs> Come on, he said, I'll show you. So we get on the bus and we leave and we go north um, of the Opit, go up into the forest where north of, of the reservation, the north end of the reservation is, is hardwood stands. Okay. Um, so he's instructing the bus driver where to go and um, he tells the bus driver, turn off on this next road. And I'm like, this guy's driving his bus into the <laughs> into the woods, into <laughs> logging roads. Like, I hope he's got his um, all of his foresters behind us because we're going to get stuck. Mm-hmm. At any rate, we get out into the forest, and Marshall brings out this big chalkboard and a bunch of a bunch of other boards with information on him, and he starts talking about um, the logging industry, the forest, and he's looking down at the ground and he's and he's talking about these plants on the on the floor of the forest, and he looks up at the crowd that's there, and there was people from all over the world, literally, on that bus. I was one of, the only other Menominee that was on there was people that worked for him that are foresters. And I'm, I'm sitting there kind of dumbfounded over the whole thing, because I had no clue that that's what we were going to be doing. So he's, he's telling these people, you know, you guys... I don't know why you're looking at the tops of them trees. He said, you need to look down here at the, at the forest floor. This is where it all begins. Mm-hmm. And what an amazing, I mean, the, the, the light bulb lit, you know. And I was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> to myself. Uh-huh. Not, I, I don't uh-huh. know what the other people were thinking, but <laughs> I was thinking, of course, you know. It's, it starts down here in the fauna. And, and you know, it just, it's an amazing thing. Um, that the, the leadership there at the forestry department with the whole um, saw, sawmill operation, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you run a business for 170 years and you, and you have more product than when you started. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's counterintuitive to most people in the world. And that's why he gets people from around the world to come there. And, and I mean, he... he um, Literally has to go to the powers that be there on a reservation to convince them that um, we need to teach other people this. Right. We need to share this, and that's that's actually part of our tradition is to share the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, you enlighten everybody, you enlighten the world, you enlighten people about you know. Yes, we can be sustainable right. With, right. with the right practices. So it's a I would encourage anybody and everybody that um, hears this that they, um, you know, it's a beautiful drive to go to the Menominee Reservation on a weekend trip. You, you're welcome there. Okay. Anybody tells you otherwise, they're telling you 
um, false <laughs> statement. We'll say making, Arnold invited us. It, he said that we that. could come. Yes, you do that. <laughs> but it, it's amazing for us. It's 200, um, I, I always tell people 280,000 acres. It, it's growing because we're, we're actually acquiring more of our reservation back. Oh. So okay. like other tribes um, that are in, uh, um, you know, they have the wherewithal today through gaming in order to purchase land mm-hmm. that was originally there. So it's growing um, not in the leaps and bounds that we would like it to be because there's a lot of politics behind that as right. well, but it's growing nonetheless. Um, so I would encourage you to take a road trip. Okay. Um, the Menominee Reservation is the largest reservation in the state of Wisconsin. The Wolf River runs through there. It's got lake streams. It's just hardwood stands. You would just, you're, you're going to be in awe. So, I like that. I like that we have a, a personal invite. Yes, yes you do. <laughs> We're gonna take a commercial. We're not gonna run up to the the uh, the the forest now, but we have a, a standing invite from Arnold. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. One of the uh, characters that I really liked in Smoke Signals was uh, Thomas. Thomas was a storyteller, right? He could tell a story about anything at any time. And, you know, he would would close his eyes and he was in the story and you're believing the story. And that was just a really, um, it was really nice to have that, that, um, I don't know, it was kind of a joyful, it was a really good skill that I don't think many of us have. But when we're talking about um, Native Americans, indigenous folks, um, First Nations folks, we're, are we, we're usually talking about stories and oral traditions and, and um, talk to us about storytelling. Well, if I could, I could start off at least. The um, uh, traditions of storytelling are seem to be coming back again to a certain importance and so I think it's uh, useful to find people who can tell stories. Mm-hmm. And one of the resources that has been set up by the Wisconsin Indian Education Association and the University of Wisconsin, particularly the Green Bay campus, is to develop a network of people around the state who have some knowledge about Native American culture and history and sovereignty and who are available to come and speak to classes or to come and speak to community groups about the Native American perspectives on current issues. Mm -hmm. And that's Act 31 uh, Network, Act 31 Coalition. People can Google that and that would, you can find uh, in your locality people who can or are willing to come and speak on Native American related topics. So it's a really good resources just become uh, available in the last couple of years. I think that it's uh, uh, important also for communities that are close to reservations or tribal presence to contact the tribe and ask that elders, uh, particularly people who tell stories to their young people, to come and talk and tell story, tell the history of their tribe 
to non-tribal groups. And so this is a resource that's not sufficiently used, I think, by communities who are close to, it can't, can't, can't usually involve long-distance travel. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a, a great opportunity there for people to learn about Native American history and uh, culture and sovereignty, the notion of, of governing a land and people area. So um, those are two steps that people can take to um, to get access to storytellers. Mm -hmm. We we um, had the privilege, the honor of listening to one storyteller uh, from the Ho Chunk um, tribe. Um, David, you're gonna have to help me with his name. Bill Quackenbush. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I I, I would have got the first part right, but not the second. But anyhow, Bill tells the story, um, and and this guy is is amazing in his storytelling. Um, he uses that rope, David, um, that illustrates time dating back ten thousand years, and in in each increment, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, this happens in 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 our society, um, and he goes. Did he go backwards or forward? He on had to. He had a member of the audience take one end of the rope and walk out and around the corner of the building or the room and out to down the hall and finally that's the ten thousand years mm -hmm. that the Ho Chunk and Native people had been in Wisconsin, and then the the first three feet, two and a half feet of that rope is the amount of time that the white people have been here. Wow! And so just to illustrate wow. that concept of time and presence. Right. Uh, when when you see that, you know, you, it, it's just just a short period of time that the Europeans are there. Then you you look at the rest of the rope, and it's out the building. It's right. around the block. It's whatever. But it, but the, the guy was obviously um, he's got a gift, and I right. and I think um, people like that are raised. They're comfortable, um, like the character in the movie. I mean, like like you said, he. Thomas, I don't yeah. think Thomas even had to close his eyes, but he he made it look all the better when he closed his eyes, and and he was in that. Yeah, he was there. He was front and center, and it's it's a beautiful thing. And and you know the, those storytellings um, are more rampant in the winter time when you know when people are you know kind of housebound or wigwam bound or teepee bound or whatever. So you. you you got more time to tell those stories to your kids, um, and it makes sense, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's repetition. You, you you tell these stories like the Madewan Lodge, the, the the teaching I was telling you about. Um, that story is told um, every time they have a major ceremony, you know, and it's done with a sand scroll actually. And the the, the elder that does it, he's going to start. He's going to say, "This is the east over here." And, Here's your journey. You're starting out on your journey, and you're going off. You're going to the left. You're going to the right. You're going. You're you're going through life, mm -hmm. and when you get till you're you're an elder and you're ready to go out that western door, which is which what, what we as native people believe is going into the next world, the okay. spirit world, and you should be able to turn around and look at that journey you just came on. It's gonna meander left, and I keep hitting this thing. I'm sorry. I, you meander left and right, but you always come back to the center. 
that center being the, 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 the good road, the perfect road, the spirit road. It, it's the center of, of man, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's bringing you back to reality. You may have brought something back with you from your venture out there to the, over here. Um, to stay out there would be um, equivalent to becoming a fanatic of sorts. Okay. And that's that's how you're taught about these stories. You're you're told you can take a bit of this and a bit of that, and and when your life, when you get to that western door, um, you're gonna have lived a good life on this earth. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the the purpose of these stories is that you know you you become f- fulfilled with with life, and and it and it's by and large it's it's a good life. Mm-hmm. So storytelling is. Very important to, to our entire, from little ones all the way, you know. Um, one of the, the reasons that Bridge the Divide has, um, has a presence here is in our suburbs, in our exurbs, there are mostly people that look like each other. So there may not even be a thought, a curiosity about another person, another culture, another way of telling stories. How, I guess a couple of questions, how do we, how can we get people here interested? We're not near a reservation. You are many times not going to run into a native person, certainly not on the the streets of Cedarburg, but you know, even in the, the greater area in your travels back and forth to work, you may not, you don't have the proximity. So how do you get people to be curious about some of these things that they can learn that maybe they don't even know they need to learn yet? <laughs> well, I think there's some definite uh, uh, motivations. One of the crises, one of the, one of the motivations, the crises that we're living through now with the environmental or ecological crisis because of overindulgence, overextraction of resources, of treating nature as a source of wealth to be taken, uh, having that attitude towards our natural environment as human beings, it's leading to a crisis. We're, we're going to risk burning up mm-hmm. if we continue. And so as people start to realize our, our way of operating with our economy and our society is leading to a crisis, what options are there to become sustainable? And this is where there's a growing dialogue with cultures that have dealt with the environment in a sustainable way for thousands of years. How did that happen? I had talked with the chairman of the Menominee tribe one time, and he gave me this historical resume. He said, well, we have feudalism. That was where the lords dominated the serfs. Then we had capitalism, where we have the capitalist elite and everybody else. Then we have communism. That's where the state dominates everybody else, or where the public dominates everybody else. He says, but actually, we here in the Menominee and the other tribes, we have tribalism, where we try to operate on a smaller scale and reach a consensus about how we govern ourselves. And so this... So there's all kinds of isms, but the tribe offered the, the Indian, the native people, in their history and experiences of being pressured, have can offer a, an alternative philosophy, an alternative way of relating to nature that may appeal to people as they're searching for. What do we do? How do we organize ourselves? Right. Well, 
maybe some of the lessons of tribalism could be relevant to to society. And just one final note with that, um, that we're taught um, by our elders that this this type of knowledge is not ours to keep. It's 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 to be shared. Mm-hmm. And although over the years, you know, some of the younger generation are like, you know, we we did that a little bit and, and we got burnt. But our elders persisted and they do it to this day. They tell us that we must share this for the sake of Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's important. Um, more of this, mm-hmm. you know, the podcast. I mean, the, what we did today, what I do with the Humanities Council, um, I'm, I'm rubbing elbows with some very, very intelligent, um, learned people. Mm-hmm. And yet... Um, you know they're listening to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 I'm going to become their chairman. I mean, um, there's a there's a statement there in somewhere. You know, there's 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 knowledge to be shared, and there's and there's there's people that are that are eager to to hear it and, and listen to it. Hopefully, we can do more of that, and it spreads. And um, by doing so, you know, we do what's right for Mother Earth. So. We want to thank you. I was going to say I, but it's not I. It's for we. You're talking to a a vast group of listeners that are hopefully growing, and we want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. We hopefully have learned some things from it. Hopefully it doesn't just kind of pass over our heads. But I want to thank you, Arnold and David, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, for our Bridge the Divide listeners, we have one more meeting on May 6th. And then we are done meeting for the summer. So make sure you show up and, and let's figure out what other things we can do. I mean, let me say in, in, in the Menominee language, Wawanan, that means thank you. <laughs>